Welcome! You're listening to Uncommon Sense, and I'm Doug Morgan. In today's podcast, we are going to be covering the question, Remind me why we are in lockdown again? (laughs) Uh, Before we get into that, uh, I just want to remind you that if you like what you hear on the podcast... Go ahead and follow us. That would be great, Uh, even if you don't like what you hear, but you're not afraid to uh, listen to things that you might not agree with. Go ahead and hit that follow button as well, and we'll make sure that that you're notified whenever uh, a new one comes out. We try to do about three of these podcasts a week, kind of a Monday, Wednesday, Friday thing, and we're having a great time just digging into truth and uh, and seeing what uh, we can find. Uh, And and today, I'm going to ask you to to think about 2 Timothy 1.7, and uh, what it says is, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. If you would keep that verse in mind as we go through today's podcast, I think uh, you're going to see that it really is applicable to what we're talking about today. Um, You know, I, I, I don't know this to be true, um, but I have many friends who have told me that, uh, that when they have a honeydew list, <laughs> uh, a honeydew list, meaning of course your wife says, uh, you know, Hey, there are some things that need to be done around the house. And, and why don't you go ahead and, and, uh, you know, rake the leaves, um, uh, you know, before you go play disc golf today or whatever. <laughs> and you say, Oh yeah. Okay. You know, all I have to do is just rake the leaves in the yard. And I could, I'll, I'll do that before I head out and, and, and go play my, my round of golf. Um, and you rake the leaves. And then, you know, of course, after you've raked the leaves, boy, that, that grass, it, it's pretty long. <laughs> and so kind of hiding underneath the, those leaves there. So, yeah, you know what? If you would just go ahead and, and, and mow the lawn uh, and, and make that look good, then, then you can head out and go play around a disc golf. All right. And, and so then you do that. Well, but, but then the bushes, you know, they, now that the lawn looks really nice and tidy and, and the leaves are raked up, but the bushes, man, they really stick out like a sore thumb. We need to take care of those. And why don't you just do that really quick? And, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll let you go after that, you know? And, and then of course, well, you know, the driveway needs to be, you know, uh, uh, hosed down or whatever, cleaned off and, 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 well, oh, look at this. I mean, so obviously what happens is, a moving of the goalposts. <laughs> Have you ever heard that term? A moving of the goalposts? Well, actually, a definition of moving of the goalposts is a moving of the goalposts is an informal uh, fallacy in which the evidence presented in response to a specific claim is dismissed and some other, often greater, evidence is demanded. This is, after an attempt has been made to score a goal, the goalposts are moved to exclude the attempt. <laughs> so let me give you another example. Now I've read that and it's, you know, all kinds of mumbo jumbo. Let me give you another example of what moving the goalposts is. How about, um, how about in lockdown? We were supposed to have, uh, you know, two weeks to flatten the curve, right? If, if you just lock yourself away for two weeks, if we just like close everything down, we're not going to do, you know, our, the things that we had planned to do or anything like that. Just two weeks. Give us two weeks. That's it. Just two weeks. I understand that this is not constitutional things, but you know what? We do things to try for, you know, to try to, to, to solve certain issues. And, 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 and what we need is we need two weeks because we have this virus and this virus is going to take over everybody and it's going to, uh, overwhelm our hospitals. And so, 
if we can flatten that curve, if we can make it so that we spread out the infections and thus the people going to the hospital, it won't overwhelm our hospitals and people won't die in the hospital because the hospitals are overwhelmed. So if you would just give us two weeks to flatten that curve, everything will be fine. And that little bit of suffering that we, that we experienced or whatever was, was uh, you know, for a good purpose. So that was, of course, our initial uh, thing that we heard coming from our government officials. Then it went from two weeks to flatten the curve to how about more weeks to keep the curve flat? Because, of course, if we, you know, open things up now, well, you know, that's going to overwhelm our hospitals. And, and we need to keep that curve flat so that, that it doesn't overwhelm our, our hospitals. And then more months to make sure that there is not a second wave. We don't want to see a second wave come through. We want to make sure that that doesn't happen. So we need to, we need to lock down and make sure that second wave doesn't happen. And then more months to stem a third wave. I mean, you know, what would we do if there's a third wave? I mean, we're coming up on, on winter, and, and, and that's when viruses are, are, are nasty anyway. And then, then more months to get rid of this virus. I mean, we need, if, if you really want to do the loving thing, then you need to, to help get rid of this virus. And you need to lock yourself down so that this virus will, will magically go away. And, and then we have more months to get rid uh, of, of, of this vaccine, but not only that, to, to get us to a vaccine for this virus. So more months to get us to a vaccine. I mean, if we could just hold on until a vaccine comes out, we, if we can just lock down and, and, and wait for this, this magical vaccine that's going to happen, then everything will be okay. But then there's more months because we, we, we're told that we're, we're not being good people, that we're being bad and we're not staying home, that we're, that we're, that we're going to Thanksgiving and, uh, with, with, with family and, and we're, we're not doing the lockdown thing well. And so we need more months to go ahead and make sure that we be good people and not selfish people. And of course, then there's more years because we're afraid. We're afraid of what might happen. So we just need lockdowns and years of lockdowns and mask wearing and all this stuff because, you know, we're afraid. And you may say, this is kind of, this is kind of weird. Uh, I, I understand the moving of the goalposts. And, 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 that's, and that's what's happening, though. If you can see what's happening with the lockdowns, it went from two weeks to flatten the curve to now, you know what, we're really afraid and we just need to make this the new normal. Uh, and, and some may say, well, that's not, that's not exactly what's happening. That's, that's not a really good illustration. But let me, uh, let me refer you to um, here in Washington. I know this podcast goes all over. Uh, it, this originate, originates in the state of Washington here in the U.S. And, uh, and our governor, Jay Inslee, um, his, his performance as, as a governor will be, uh, maybe a, a different podcast. <laughs> uh, but we, um, but what he just released just, uh, uh, on Monday, it says this, it says, we are seeing some signs. The current restrictions are working, but our hospitals are still on the brink. Therefore I am extending, um, existing restrictions for three weeks ending January 4th. The hospitalization projections are scary. We're already at 80% ICU capacity in Washington. Unless this turns around, our system will be overrun. That impacts everyone needing hospital care, not just COVID patients. 
this is an incredibly hard decision to make, we know some of our businesses are hanging on by a thread. In light of that, we're making an additional $50 million in grants available to businesses impacted by these safety measures. There is light at the end of the tunnel, he says. The first vaccine was given in the UK this morning, but our communities are not safe right now, and the vaccine won't change that in the near future. It is a dangerous time in Washington, he says. We need to buckle down through the holidays and get this virus under control. So, <laughs> the as, as, as I just kind of went through, this is what we're seeing happening. That the, the, the lockdowns have become something different. And every time that we're supposed to, you know, really put our heads down and see the light at the end of the tunnel, uh, the goalposts get moved. Uh, in fact, I, you know, there were some reactions even to this uh, the statement by Inslee uh, I, I saw online. And, uh, and, and there was even some hospital workers that, that just absolutely went off and saying how bad this virus is. And, and I'm not saying it's not bad but how the local hospitals are on the brink. And, and, and I wrote this, and let me, let, me, let me just read this to you. Uh, hospitals are always full this time of the year, and they are. They're always full this time of the year. Um, these are just scary statistics. Any hospital worker that is, um, that is spouting this kind of fear is either not a hospital worker, not telling the truth, or trying to be a martyr. And, and I truly believe this, that yes, the, the, the coronavirus can be a very scary uh, virus. It's, it, it can be a bad virus. There's, there's no doubt about it. But the problem is, is that there is fear being spouted here. And if you do your research, one of the biggest hospitals here uh, in, in, the, in the city of Vancouver is, uh, is one that I, I, I got some data on. And yes, as of yesterday, the capacity uh, on every single floor of this hospital um, what th- there was capacity on every single floor. So in other words, they had room for more patients on every single floor of the hospital. And they only had 27 COVID patients. Now, that doesn't seem to me to be a hospital on the brink. And I've been, I've been, uh, been watching these numbers, and, and they will go up and down some, but, uh, but this is a normal type of thing. Um, you know, when I was in, um, when I was a kid, I called myself the king of grounding. <laughs> um, my dad loved, uh, his, uh, his groundings. And, um, and one day, uh, I brought home a report card and it had a D on it. And that was, that was a no-no. Uh, I never had a D before. Uh, but he, uh, he said, you know, uh, and this was right before the summer. Uh, I ended up getting a D in health and my, the most boring subject I could ever have in high school. And, and, uh, and, and he said, you know, you're now grounded for the entire summer. And I was not allowed because, you know, when, when you're grounded, uh, you're not allowed to, to talk to friends. You're not allowed to see friends. You're not allowed to have them over. You're not allowed to go the, uh, to, to any friends. And for the entire summer, I was grounded to my house. And what I would call that is, in looking back on it now and being a parent myself, I would call that an overreaction. 
uh, the for simply getting a D, I think there would have been other punishments that would have been more, more fitting for that, uh, that I would still have learned my lesson that even though it's health, I still not need not get a D and try my hardest. Um, but in but but the punishment itself was an overreaction, in my estimation. In fact, uh, I lost I think just about every single friend I had except maybe one, and uh, and, and because of that. Um, so let me let me talk about an overreaction. Uh, when we talk about lockdowns, you can say, well, how can this? You know, th- these aren't overreactions. Yes, they're overreactions to a particular problem. We have the problem of the coronavirus, and yet here is a reaction. Here's from Monday again, okay? And so this is the mayor of Los Angeles and what he is now coming out with as far as his lockdowns of his city, the city of L.A. The mayor of Los Angeles has issued, and this comes from the, the uh, ChristianHeadlines.com as of yesterday. You can find this uh, same uh, uh, type of article elsewhere. The mayor of Los Angeles has issued a stay-at-home order banning Quote, all forms of travel. My message couldn't be simpler, said Eric Garcetti, the Democratic L.A. mayor. It's time to hunker down. It's time to cancel everything. And if it isn't essential, don't do it. L.A. residents were notified of this order last week. And all travel, including without limitation, travel on foot, bicycle, scooter, motorcycle, automobile, or public transportation is prohibited, unquote. In a tweet, Garcetti said he hopes vaccines will uh, bring an end to the pandemic. Does that sound similar? Uh, but there's, uh, uh, but here's the truth, he said. We're in for a long, hard winter. As the worst hits us, stay home as much as you can. Cancel any non-essential activities, unquote. Under the order, all businesses except those with exemptions, such as grocery stores, media outlets, gas stations, restaurants with takeout, drive-through, and delivery services must close. I might add in here anything having to do with Hollywood or filmmaking also is exempted. Uh, Any public or uh, private gatherings of any number of people from more than one household are prohibited. He did not add that outdoor, um, or he did add that outdoor religious events, that's outdoor religious events, and protests are allowed. Uh, so no indoor uh, protests. Uh, <laughs> those are those are prohibited. Uh, Garcetti also said uh, he has asked the Los Angeles Police Department to vigorously enforce the new orders. You see, let me be very clear here. The virus, again, is a nasty virus for some. But what are the risk factors? What are the worst the, the risk factors for a virus that at worst has a 99.5 survival rate? Let me, let me read you something here. Because I don't think we're getting the facts. I think what we're getting is we're getting a lot of uh, scare tactics and a lot of fear mongering and a lot of things that are thrown at us be, uh, that that are designed to make us afraid. And and I I got this from uh, KGW, which is a uh, news outlet um, in Portland, Oregon, 
And it says here, it's entitled 36 COVID-19 deaths in Oregon. The most reported in a single day. Okay, you got that? The most reported in a single day, 36 deaths in Oregon. And this was published uh, uh, yesterday on December 8th. Okay, and so it says here, it says that the Oregon Health Authority said it's the highest single day loss of life since the coronavirus pandemic pandemic reached the state in late February. Okay, so this is the highest single day loss. Highest single day loss. It says that uh, the the guy who is um, head of the, uh, the he's, he's the leading health officer, or actually she's the, the, the leading health officer for the the, uh, the county, one of the, one of the main counties here, Vines, said that the Portland area is in the uh, is in for a rough winter in terms of the pandemic, which makes it very difficult to think about reopening schools because of the high risk of potential outbreaks by doing so. You know, this is scare tactics because what I just read you is not true. If you, the article goes on at the end to give us a little more information about the Oregon Health Authority uh, releasing information on these 36 Oregonians who died. The most in a single day. But if you go through the data, and I'm going to go through this really quickly here for you, you'll see that this is not being reported correctly. It's being reported to make you fearful. So here's one of the COVID deaths. It was an 80-year-old man. He died on November 30th. Hmm. That isn't even in December. Okay, anyway. 80-year-old man died November 30th. Underlying conditions. 64-year-old man died December 4th. He had underlying conditions. 89-year-old man died November 26th. Underlying conditions. 76-year-old man, December 6th, he had underlying conditions. 71-year-old woman died December 5th. Uh, and and, and let, me, let me speed this up. They all have underlying conditions. 73-year-old man, December 5th. 72-year-old woman, December 4th. 78-year-old woman, December 6th. 88-year-old man, hey, we hit one, December 7th. Okay? Then we have 77-year-old woman, December 1st. 96-year-old woman, December 5th. 87-year-old woman, December 6th. 82-year-old woman, December 6th. 72-year-old woman, December 4th. 89-year-old man, November 30th. 87-year-old woman, December 6th. 69-year-old man, November 30th. And if you're getting the point here, I think, hopefully, because I could keep on going. November 27th, November 27th, November 29th, November 26th, November 16th, November 23rd, November 22nd, November 25th, November 22nd. If you look down through all of these, then you will find that there was one death reported on December 7th. Now, let's let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's, let's say that they actually meant December 6th, okay? That that was the one day 
that they, they just, they reported it a day late, okay? Let's, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Let, let's, let's just say they slipped in the December 7th because it came, it came in before printing, whatever, okay? You still only had seven deaths on December 6th. You had the one on December 7th and, and seven on December 6th. So you had a total of eight out of 38 people who actually died on that day. But yet, how was this reported? This was reported as the most deaths in one day since the coronavirus hit Oregon. Now, you don't think that that is a scare tactic? You don't think that this article is designed to, to, to make it so that people cannot rationally make logical decisions when it comes to their risk factor? You see, we all, we all consider the risk factor when we're doing things in life. We make decisions based on our own risk tolerance. It's, it's not just about money and, and the stock market and what my risk tolerance is. I, I make a decision all the time. Am I going to get in my car? Am I going to drive to the store? Because I do risk getting into an accident. And I do risk my life doing that very thing. When I step on an airplane, I'm risking my life, the fact that that plane could go down, that, but I decide that I am going to take that risk and I'm going to go step on that airplane. I'm going to fly to fit, visit family or wherever I'm going based on the risk factor and what my risk tolerance is. If I don't have a very high risk tolerance, I might just be a homebody. <laughs> I might just stay home. I might just do things around the house. And even then, there are still things that I have to consider when it comes to a risk tolerance. You see, this isn't, this isn't about the virus so much. This is not a medical thing. It's about control through fear. Let me say that again. It's about control through fear. If you don't believe me, let me, let me, um, uh, let me read to you just a, a, a little bit about a New York Times article that came out on the 8th. And this is uh, in the New York Times, Elizabeth uh, Rosenthal, who is a, a doctor turned journalist, and, and she wrote a book uh, on how healthcare became uh, big business. And, and she wrote this article, and it's entitled, It's Time to Scare People About COVID. That's the title of the, of the article. It's time to scare people about COVID. Nowhere in this article, though, does, does she prove any data about COVID. She doesn't have any data about COVID in this article. If she gave us that data, then we could actually make rational decisions about our own risk level, but she does not do that. She just simply says that in order for people to do the right thing, because we are like children and we aren't going to do the right thing if it wasn't for our government masters, that if we literally are left to our own resources, we would just do whatever we want to do, and, and that's bad. So we need to be scared into doing what they think we should be doing. This is the tactic that is being used for control purposes. You see, the U.S. Uh, COVID czar, Admiral uh, Brett uh, Groer, or Groer, I'm He's not exactly sure how to pronounce it, to be honest with you. But he said that there is no data that indicates that outdoor dining contributes to the spread of COVID. In fact, the studies now uh, are showing that, that many aspects of these lockdowns are counterproductive, as he puts, puts it. You see, 
Why are we being locked down again? Well, I believe that it's because of fear. I believe that we need to keep in mind, as I said at the beginning, 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Let's get into this a little bit more in the future. But uh, for now, if you uh, want to communicate with us and let, let us know how well we're doing, <laughs> or, or you know what, you can get a hold of us and tell us how terrible a job we're doing, or anything in between. Uh, and you can always send an email to foruncommonsense at gmail.com. That's F-O-R uncommonsense at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, uh, please hit the follow uh, button. Yeah, that helps us out greatly. And we definitely appreciate it. Thank you for listening.